Welcome to our Clothed with the Sun daily podcast, a reading and meditation on the gospel of the day. I am James Thomas. Today is Wednesday, December the 20th. It is the Wednesday of the third week of Advent. And being December 20th, we are getting closer to Christmas. We are halfway through the time of the O Antiphons, and today we focus very much on the Annunciation. Today's reading is from the Gospel according to St. Luke. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming to her, he said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at what was said and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give him the throne of David his father. And he will rule over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. But Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I have no relations with a man? And the angel said to her in reply, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible for God. Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. So this is just about the best Bible passage that there is. I mean, there are a couple that I might like a little bit more. I like the book of Revelation and they shall see him face to face and bear his name on their foreheads. I mean, that's really cool stuff. But this is amazing. This brings me to tears. Our Lady, Our Mother. This is, in a sense, her origin story, although I know, we, we all know it, it goes back to her Immaculate Conception. But this, in a sense, reveals the Immaculate Conception, the angel calling her full of grace. In the original Greek, it's you who have been filled with grace, you who are being filled with grace. It's, what do you call that? Uh, present perfect, something, I think that's what it's called in, in terms of English, uh, oh, conjugations, is that what you call that? Anyway, <clears throat> also it reveals Mary's virginity. How can this be? I have no relations with a man, even though she's betrothed. She's legally married and she's asking, how am I going to have a kid? And so the angel answers, Behold, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. So the Trinity is already being revealed before Jesus says a word about it. The Holy Spirit. The whole, this is one of the first places where we hear about the Holy Spirit. Officially, I mean, the Holy Spirit is mentioned in the Old Testament, but it's not clearly spelled out. The Jews of that time did not understand the Trinity. So right off the bat, the Holy Spirit will be your spouse, God your Father will overshadow you, and your Son will be the Son of God. In other words, the second person of the Trinity. And if by any chance you don't believe in miracles, which we know you do, but still we've given you another sign here, 
Elizabeth is in her old age, whatever that means, and she has conceived a son. It doesn't say too much about John the Baptist just yet, but she will learn, <coughs> excuse me, about John the Baptist. And then, as recorded in a beautiful sermon by St. Bernard, 1200 years after this takes place, all of creation is hanging on Mary's response. And of course, she so quickly says, yes, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. Mary is nothing but yes to God. Mary is a yes to God. It's her very identity. And this is why with her motherhood of us, you and me, we can say yes as well. This is why Jesus, in a sense, in a sense, Jesus is yes to God, specifically in the Garden of Gethsemane, begins with Mary's yes. It's the opposite of Adam and Eve. Eve's no to God is followed by Adam's no to God. Mary says yes. Mary teaches Jesus on the human level how to say yes to the Father. There's so much here. It's so beautiful. It's so good. I wanted to talk a little bit, though, about St. Louis de Montfort. And, I mean, and Pope John Paul based his whole life, his whole his priesthood, his papacy on the writings of St. Louis de Montfort. And how St. Louis de Montfort, while it's just funny to me, people love, especially conservative Catholics, and I am a conservative Catholic, traditional conservative Catholics love St. Louis de Montfort. And yet, St. Louis de Montfort's writings pave the way of the, for the new evangelization. There are, and, and the theology of the body. Um, a lot of conservative Catholics don't like the theology of the body. And I just wanted to talk a little bit about this. I'm going to use some intellectual terms, but I'm going to try to just bring it down to an everyday conversational type of level. Um, on a theological level... St. Louis de Montfort is loved. Why? Because traditional Catholics love devotion to Mary. But theology of the body is hated. Why? Because many traditional Catholics are Jansenist. And another word for Jansenist is Gnostic. Another word for it would be, I don't know, Manichaean. I don't know. There's lots of heresies that try to take away from the humanity of Christ and take away, therefore, from the goodness of our own humanity. St. Louis de Montfort is all about the beauty of motherhood and the beauty of the body. St. Louis de Montfort says that you and I, in our baptism, but then in our consecration to Mary, which is a renewal of our baptism, need to be born again of Mary's womb. We need to be fed at Mary's breast. We need to be mothered by Mary in every possible way. We physically receive nourishment from Mary every time we receive the Eucharist, the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ. And Jesus only takes his body from Mary. This is the way God has worked it out. So this mystery of redemption comes through the body. It's essentially what we're celebrating on December 20th, the incarnation, right? God takes his, his new form. He becomes the God man. Jesus becomes man in the womb of Mary. That's what we celebrate today because of her. Yes. Look at how important humanity is. God chose not to do this without the yes of the human race. And that yes 
comes through the mouth of Mary. Her voice is our yes, and therefore we can be saved. And so we believe in the goodness of the body. It's funny, I mean, I don't know, so many people, like a lot of my Protestant friends, you know, they don't like to emphasize Mary too much, yet when it comes time for Christmas, those who love Jesus, Catholic and Protestant alike, when we really focus on the mysteries, there's tears, there's so much beauty here, the music reflects it. One of my favorite Christmas songs is Breath of Heaven, sung by Amy Grant, which is all about Mary, Mary, this big task that she has, how important it is. And, and the breath of heaven is the Holy Spirit. She's calling upon her spouse. Please be with me so that I can carry this out. And this isn't just for Christmas time that we celebrate this, that we meditate on this, that we strive ourselves to embody this. This is for the whole year. This is for everything. This is for our salvation. Um, Another thing, you know, about this is when we talk about, uh, you know, the sins of the Pharisees, one of the main things that we see in our Lord's criticism of the Pharisees is they didn't want to get their hands dirty. They keep focusing on those ritual things. You know, why do your disciples not wash their hands? Things like that. Um, The sins of the Pharisees go back to Lucifer. Lucifer, hearing the plan of God, God will become man, didn't want that plan, didn't like that plan. He wanted God to remain among the angels, and that's it. Lucifer was against the creation of the human race. He was against God becoming one of us, and now he attacks us. Why is Michael the enemy of Lucifer par excellence? Not because Michael is is the other highest angel in heaven, not at all. Sometimes people think that. No, because Michael, part of the eighth choir of angels, is an archangel, and he is our protector. So Lucifer's battle is against you and me because of this day, because of, well, December 20th is like another feast of the incarnation. We're celebrating the incarnation. And so St. Louis de Montfort's teaching here, focusing on Mary, focusing on the body, focusing on her motherhood of us, she formed Jesus and therefore she can form each one of us to become another Christ, which is essentially what we become. This is, um, this is essential. This is an essential part of Christianity, what we celebrate this very day. God and the human race are wed together in the womb of Mary. This is the beginning of the wedding banquet of the Lamb that we talk about in Revelation. This is the beginning. This is the wedding. Jesus, when he dies on the cross, said it is consummated. Okay, that's the consummation of the bond. Jesus' death. His resurrection, his ascension completed. And then we enjoy the nuptials. When when Jesus <clears throat> opens the gates of heaven to us, he opens the source of grace for us. We're able to receive the spirit, but also it leads the way eventually to the uh, resurrection of the body that we'll all enjoy. The final, see, Revelation, a lot of people interpret it to be the final uh, wedding banquet, the final, uh, you know, it's like it's just about heaven. It's just about what comes later. But no, it begins. It begins every time we receive communion. This is another part of it. This all goes together. It's a physical bond. 
God chose to bless our humanity, not just to bless it. There's a lot of talk the past couple of days about blessings and who can receive blessings, but that's not what we're talking about. This is so much more than a blessing. This is a full-fledged sanctification because God literally identify, we talk about identity, God identifies now as a human being. And it's not like a man identifying as a woman, which is utterly false. God identifies as God and man because of what happens in Mary's womb, because of Mary's yes. When we ask Jesus, how do you identify? Are you God or are you man? He'll say both. Before the Annunciation slash Incarnation, he only would have said, I'm just God. I'm full spirit. But because of Mary's yes, because of God's plan, now God is one of us. And it's not an afterthought. Rather, you and I, well, we're not an afterthought because that takes away from our dignity, if you say it that way, but because God intended us all along. But in a sense, you know, the human race, well, if the human race comes second, what comes first is the plan of God. God wanted to make us so that he could become one with us. God, and it says the father made the son. He, he made us for the son. We were created through him. We were created for him. The Bible says. So for those out there that think we're supposed to, I know we know theologically we don't become angels, but still a lot of people act like it. They think we're just supposed to be above everything and everybody. They think all human activity is bad. That human love is just something that we endure um, to get to the angelic stuff that I, I, I don't know. I can think of so many different examples. I, I just remember one time I was working with a group of people and I, I showed up and I had a T-shirt and a pair of shorts on and a woman said, oh, he must be working with the youth. And it was like, no, I like I'm a human being. <laughs> sometimes I wear a T-shirt. Sometimes I wear a pair of shorts. I don't know. Maybe this isn't the best example. Uh, cause it doesn't fully spell it out, but it's like, no, we're human. We're allowed to be human. We're allowed to dance and sing. We're allowed to play games. We're, yeah, we can work with the youth, but we can also just be a kid, be a big kid and enjoy your life. You know, we're allowed to pursue human things. We're allowed to enjoy humanity. I remember one time a priest saying to me, because I was rooting for my favorite basketball team in the playoffs and I was getting all into it, he said, oh, I'm so surprised at you that this is this is such a big deal to you. As if to say, I'm no longer any good because I'm excited about my basketball team. Give me a break. I, I, that that same priest, you know, when he would play sports, he would get so competitive, my goodness. But it was always looked at as, well, that's one of his defects. No, it's not a defect. Enjoy your sports. Enjoy your movies. Enjoy your games. Enjoy your spouse. Enjoy your children. Especially as Christmas time comes, this is not meant to be a dichotomy. Well, we have Jesus over here and then we have our family over there. Oh, I got to go to church, but then I'm going to go get drunk or something, or I'm going to go whatever, have some big party. I mean, the getting drunk becomes sinful, of course, you know, whereas the parties are good. All the, the alcohol is good on its own. It's what we do with it. Sometimes we abuse it and then that becomes a sin. And that's when what we call in the theology of the body, making an idol out of the sign. Alcohol is a sign of bigger and better things. Food is a sign of bigger and better things. The body is good in and of itself, but it's also a sign of bigger and better things. It's both. So 
There's so much we can say here. It's so exciting. I want to just close here talking about St. Teresa of Avila. If you read her writings, she is now, she's a doctor of the church. She's one of the best, one of the greatest saints, one of the best spiritual writers ever. And her huge emphasis, very similar to St. Francis of Assisi and really many other saints, it focuses on the life of Christ and specifically his poverty, his incarnation, his birth in Bethlehem, his suffering, his death on the cross, the focus on the humanity. Why? Why do we focus on the humanity of Christ? Because we're human. And that was the greatest act of love for him to become one of us and ultimately become our slave and die for us. St. Paul says he became our slave. So this is the greatest act of love, and this is the only way to be saved. You and I are not going to have some direct connection with divinity. We're not going to have a direct connection with the Father. I know that might sound harsh to say, but everything in our faith is mediated. This is where, and it's another area where Catholics and Protestants have a disagreement, and it all, it, all this stuff comes together. You know, they say, no, we can just go directly to God. Well, you can go directly to God because God became man in the person of Christ. The second person of the Trinity took on humanity. He clothed himself in humanity, we hear it said. So we focus on the humanity because that's the doorway. His incarnation, his birth in Bethlehem, his, his life with St. Joseph working as a carpenter. This is the doorway. This is, you know, Jesus' public ministry. Jesus is suffering in death. His love for his friends, his crying at the death of Lazarus. I just saw a preview for The Chosen season four. A lot of people don't like The Chosen. Why? Because it's too human. Guess what? He became human for us. He became man. That's our doorway. This is why St. Teresa of Avila's writings are so important. She says, meditate, especially on his passion, but meditate on the humanity of Christ because that's your way into the divinity. That's the way it happens. God set up the church so that it would be all about mediation. And this is why, too, you know, we have the mediation of the saints and the angels and our brothers and sisters here on earth. There's lots and lots of mediation going on because that's the way God set it up. Jesus is the mediator between us and the Father. Because we receive baptism into the Trinity, now we can receive the Spirit. It, there's so much mediation going on here, and it all happens through the body. You and I are made of body and soul. You and I, when we celebrate Christmas, it's meant to be spiritual and prayerful and focus, focusing on Scripture. It's also meant to be an enjoyment of family and affection and food and games and songs it all goes together. So there's so much beauty here. And we really just want to, this is all about honoring. It's, you know, honoring Jesus, honoring our faith, but we honor Mary in a special way because of her. Yes. But also because of all the yeses, because of the beauty of her motherhood. And that's a motherhood now that we share. We wish to become other Christs. We wish to become part of the family. Therefore we can't avoid having Mary as our mother. And why would we want to? Why would you want to avoid this amazing gift we've been given? This beautiful gift of Mary's yes, the very person that she is. And gosh, what does that mean for you and me that the queen of heaven is our mother? 
So we ask the Lord today to help us to delve into this mystery more and more, just to be with Mary, to be her companion, because you know what she's doing? She's just welcoming Jesus 24-7. She's bringing in Jesus. The more we go to her, she doesn't keep that glory for herself. She brings us face-to-face with Jesus. She wants you and me to just be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be one with Jesus And to truly understand the meaning of our humanity, our humanity is so good. It's, it's, there's so much dignity to it because God made it and God redeemed it by becoming one of us. So I hope you enjoy these next couple of days. I hope you enjoy your day today. God bless you. Let's keep each other in prayer.